City Church podcast. New City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, Pastor Joel Littlefield is preaching a message from Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, and Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9, called Remember the Ancient Paths. We hope you are blessed by the message today. Notice how it says, if you find some indecency in her. Well, one rabbi teaching, the the rabbi Shammai, the school of Shammai, referred to that word indecency as an unfaithfulness sexually, sexual unfaithfulness. And there was a whole school of, of Jewish thought that said, that's what the teaching means. But there was another entire school, the school of Hillel, that said this, is, this indecency is referring to anything that makes the wife's company distasteful. So you can see, if those two schools of thought exist in Jesus' day, how this teaching would have landed like a bomb in the midst of the Pharisees and in the midst of those who were teaching. You have one whole school that's saying, in fact, you can quote me on this, at least the idea, you could divorce someone if she burnt your breakfast. That was in the school, the thought of Hillel. If there's any indecency, so which school do you land in? Don't say Hillel. (laughs) Jesus is interpreting this law, so thankfully he's doing this, what he's done with the other laws about anger and lust, and he's clarifying something for us. So we're going to look at the clarity that Christ brings, and we're going to cling to his interpretation of the scriptures. But there was abuse. You can see where the abuse would come in. There was divorce happening rampantly. Men were discarding their wives and giving them certificates of divorce for no good reason at all, no biblical reason. And so with this abuse happening, I think one thing we can say is thank you, Jesus. This is a characteristic that the world won't ever allow to be highlighted. In fact, the opponent, there are opponents of Christianity that would say, your Jesus and your Bible is so against women. I don't want anything to do with that. But Christ is stepping into an abusive situation here and he's speaking where there is abuse and women are being discarded and he's saying, it's not to to be that way. And that's not the intention of what the law was saying. So if we connect this to the previous teaching, it's very interesting. Look at what Josh taught on last week says, you have heard, back in verse 27 in, in chapter 5, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And then it flows right into this. It was also said... There's a difference in how he begins this phrase than than the last one. He doesn't say, you have heard that it was said of old. He simply says, you've also heard, or it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And these two are connected. And it's connected to the abuse. Because they would be saying, so they're looking for loopholes. You know, in the system, they're looking for loopholes. So they're saying, that they could just leave somebody at a whim. 
And Jesus is saying, well, here's what, it, here's what it actually says. Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. You've heard that. But what I'm telling you is everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus actually strengthens the law and gives it more meaning and gives them less of a loophole. And so they cannot just leave at a whim. Notice how verse 31 starts, as I said. You have heard it said. And so look at some other texts. We're going to look over at chapter 19 and try to get a better idea of what this actually looks like. Look at 19 with me, Matthew 19. And this helps us by looking at other texts. And also, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 speaks very detailed about divorce and marriage. And it's a good idea to have a rounded view of these things. But look at what it says in verse 1 of chapter 19. Jesus had finished these sayings, and he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And a large crowd followed him, and he, and he healed them there. And Jesus came up to him, and, excuse me, and Pharisees came up to him and tested him. This was a test by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, therefore, man shall leave his father and his wife, or excuse me, father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And so they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits Adultery. A couple things I want you to notice about this text. When tested, Jesus goes to the scripture. They tested him. When tested, Jesus goes to the scriptures. Secondly, by going to the scripture, Jesus goes to the created order of things. There will be times when you are tested and people will test you, and it's going to be imperative that you go to scripture. It's going to be tempting to sort of meld in and conform to the world because the pressure is going to be so great. But it is important and imperative that we, like Christ, go to the scriptures. When tested on divorce, what also does Jesus do? He rejoices in marriage. When tested on divorce, Jesus goes to the created order in Scripture and rejoices in the actual intended created meaning of what marriage is. I just love that about Christ. So they're trying to test him, and he just sort of scoots around and gets to the heart of the meaning, and it's that God has an intended design for men and women. He has an intended meaning for what marriage is and what it is supposed to do. But there are some clear statements that we can make if we're willing. I just want to highlight a few of those clear statements from both Matthew 19 and chapter 5. 
And I would encourage you to just sort of think about these, maybe write them down. But these are clear statements, clear things that we can have from these texts. And number one, it is this. Marriage between a man and woman is a, is a good thing in God's eyes. When Jesus goes to the original design and he says, have you not heard that it was from the beginning, man and woman, male and female. And we have nothing to be ashamed about in that. Every reason to rejoice in God's creation of things. The marriage between a man and woman is a good thing in God's eyes. Number two, marriage is intended to be permanent on earth. We can say that. God's intended design for marriage is that it is permanent on earth. Now we're going to come into a few things where we, where we, we understand that that's not the way it always is. We know that there is divorce. We know that there is separation. There is severing of relationships. But again, we're looking at God's word and we're saying sola scriptura. What is our view of what scripture says and what is God's design? And his intended design for marriage is permanence on earth. Thirdly, divorce was allowed by Moses but it was never commanded. It was allowed. And notice that it actually says this in the text. Look at verse 7 of chapter 19. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus responds, He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed it. Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you. There was a permitted, he permitted it, but it was never commanded. It is never encouraged. Not once, but he, but he permitted it. He allowed you to divorce your wives. Why? Because of the hardness of heart. But from the beginning, it was not so. And fourthly, what we can clearly get from this text, and this is where a lot of people want to jump ship. The only biblical grounds for divorce, according to God's word, is sexual immorality. The biblical grounds for divorce is sexual immorality. And so when you look at what Jesus is doing, and he says, you need to have a certificate of divorce, you can see some really good, gracious, loving things that are being put in place. One, divorce, a divorce certificate and going through the law and through the state takes time. It wasn't that, I mean, these men were not to just be leaving and women weren't to just be leaving. But in fact, putting a parameter and a guideline that would have taken a process would have certainly slowed things down. It would have caused people to think that I have to actually go before the state and I need to get a certificate and I need to have something in writing. I think that I consider that a grace. In a, in a culture where people were, would not have done that and would have just left. So it, was, there was an, it wasn't intended to be a quick thing. Something to be slowed down and thought about. And how often do people just make quick decisions today in relationships, in marriages? Something happens, something gets in between us, and we just make, we make a decision. And I think we can see through Scripture and even through this that God would say, slow down. Slow down and pray and consider all of the implications that are going to come and fall out because of your decision. Both Matthew chapter 5 and 19 make it clear that divorce 
was permitted. Why? Because of hard-heartedness. There is no rejoicing in divorce. Just let me say that biblically. There's no rejoicing. Now, I think God can be gracious, and on the other side of a bad marriage where there is biblical grounds to divorce, one might say, thank you, Lord. I can see that, but there is no rejoicing in it. In God's eyes, there's nothing to be rejoiced in. It's because of the hardness of heart. So there's no celebrating. There's no celebrating it. And we live in a culture that celebrates it. That's why I'm saying this to you. Not because I think you celebrate it, but because of the world that we live in. The culture that we live in celebrates it. And there is such a steep rebellion against God and what a godly relationship and a godly marriage is or even what man and woman is. And what sexuality is, all of there's a, a steep decline and a push against these things. But at the end of the day, why does divorce exist? Because sin exists. And, and what celebration is there in the sin that has caused so many of our, or all of our hearts to be fallen and depraved? There is no celebrating divorce. God hates it. I'll just say very clear and plainly, God hates it. Let me show you where God hates it. Malachi chapter 2. Turn over there with me. Malachi chapter 2. We're going to get a good taste for God's view, God's perspective. Beginning in verse 10. Malachi 2.10. says, Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, an abomination has been committed in Israel in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendants of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hands. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one? With a portion of the Spirit in their union, and what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth for the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord. The God of Israel covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. These are heavy words from our God about Divorce, about marriage, about relationship, about how he sees his relationship with Israel and Israel's relationship with the nations and the pagan nations and what he thinks and sees about faithfulness. You know, out of 45 states in 2021, 
There were 1,985,072 marriages in the United States out of 45. You know how many divorces there were? 689,308. of new marriages include a partner who is remarrying. 40%. 6% of divorced couples remarry each other. Only 6% remarry each other. And 72% of these stay married after reuniting. Interesting stats. Leading causes of divorce, 75%, lack of commitment. 60% infidelity, 24% domestic abuse. I don't care what the stats are. I believe that God hates divorce. And the church of Christ, God's people, should hate it and fight for our marriages to be the healthiest, the most biblical, God-honoring, God-surrendering marriages that exist in the world. We have an opportunity in our world just by our relationships. Now, I know I'm speaking to not just married people, but I am speaking to married people because this is very relevant to us. There's an opportunity just by our relationships and how a man loves his wife and how a wife submits to her husband as to the Lord in both accounts, to be a light for this world. To show the picture of the gospel, the love of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the submission of the church, this beautiful picture of surrender and grace and rescue and redemption and love and sacrifice. All of these things are beautiful pictures that when a marriage is disregarding these things, you ruin the witness of the church. It is very clear that that is what scripture teaches. God hates this and so should we. One thing I'm just asking us to do in in light of this is to simply in our heart agree with God's hatred of divorce but also agree with Christ and his interpretation of it and his love for good and godly marriages. There is grace for the broken There is grace for those who have been taken advantage of, and there is grace for the abused. And that should be found more than anything in the church of Jesus Christ. That when there is a divorce, whatever the cause was, it is not the time to, to slander, to point fingers, to blame, but there are people that are truly seeking restoration and repentance should find welcome and family and healing and hope through the word of God through his church. So should there be people in this building today or as part of our membership or you're visiting today and you say, well, there's real brokenness. What about me? What about this situation? There is healing for you. And in Christ, through repentance, there's forgiveness if you are the one that was in the wrong. Some people have divorce in their past, and as you look, you look to your past, you say, wait a minute, according to God's word, I didn't do it right. 
If the scripture says that the only biblical grounds for divorce, and there's one particular caveat we find in, in 1 Corinthians 7, where if an unbelieving spouse leaves you, Paul inserts that. If an unbelieving spouse, if you're married to a non-believer and they leave you, let them go. You are not enslaved, scripture says. But other than that, that's it. Sexual morality and if an unbelieving spouse leaves you. But even so, the Apostle Paul encourages you to stay with that unbelieving spouse because how, how do you know whether your faith in Christ will not bring that person to salvation? So even over all of those difficult things, there's so much grace. There's not just permission to get rid of people. You know that God values and loves the institution of marriage even in pagan cultures? Those who marry men and women and, and they do it according to God's design, it's still a blessed union in God's eyes. That's how much God values marriage because he created Adam and Eve and brought them together. Before Christianity was ever here, God designed marriage. It's an important institution. We shouldn't see it as a light thing. That's why when the enemy gets into our homes and our marriages, the rest of the culture just falls by the wayside. And that's why you and I as Christian people should be thinking so diligently about how we live out our lives in our homes and with our spouses. So in clarifying this law and really coming against the traditions of the Jews, he was safeguarding marriage and he was also safeguarding women. Our Savior, our loving Savior. I just want you to see that in the text. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 6 for me, please. I would encourage you to go back and read the whole context of this later if you'd like, but I am going to just pull one scripture from this. As often the prophets would be doing, there's rebuke for unfaithfulness and there's judgment being pronounced over Israel and Judah and, and God is just in his pronouncements, but oftentimes what you'd find in the midst of a prophecy is a, is a word of hope and a call to repentance. And this is one of the most beautiful that I've ever seen. In verse 16, it says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Let me read it again. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. And they said, we will not walk in it. One question I'm asking of myself and asking of you all, and I think that we should be asking people, is are they willing to walk in the way of the Lord? That the Lord's way is good, the Lord's way is perfect, his way is right, it always has been, and it's not wrong and it's absolutely right and righteous to say to someone, here's the way of the Lord, are you going to walk in it? 
And there are some, and you can see by this profession, well, we will not walk in it. And there are many who may even today say, oh, no, we won't walk in it when it comes to your marriage or your life in Christ or uh, some other commitment or how you conduct yourself. Are you willing to walk in the ways of the Lord? So the call is to remember the ancient paths. I'm asking us to remember the ancient paths. Not the new ones, not the ones that are being paved today, not the newfangled ideas and the creation of this world and the ideas that are opposed to God and his will, but the ancient ones, the ones that God designed. Don't you love the thought of that? The thought of the Lord designing and making roads for us to walk on and they are his and they are good and they are right and they lead to eternal life. But there are a lot of other roads and I think we just like how they look sometimes. We like how they feel. But is it the ancient road? I think the ancient road might just look too tiresome to some people. I want something new. But it's the way to destruction. What is on the ancient path? What do we see on the ancient path based on the scripture we've just been considering? Well, on the ancient path, we acknowledge that God is the creator of the path, the creator of the world. He is creator, authority, designer, good and holy and right. On the ancient path, we would see that God is creator and that we would agree with him that marriage in his design is good. Just agree with that. And you're walking on the ancient path. Those things are on the ancient path. Secondly, God's design is good in the specific mention that he made that male and female, I created them and I brought them together. Let no man separate them. The permanence of marriage, that's on the ancient path. Don't listen to the world. God's way is right. Based on Jeremiah's text, there's something amazing that we find on that road, and it's a great test for yourself as to whether you're walking on that road or not. Maybe you noticed it. But he says, where the good way is, walk in that way and find rest for your souls. God's good design, God's path, the ancient path is one of rest for the soul. Ultimately, that's why we are asking people to look to God's way, to look to the way of Christ, to look to the gospel, to walk on the ancient road because on the ancient road is the ancient gospel, the gospel that has always existed since the beginning of time and it's the way of Christ. It's the way of salvation. It's the way of ultimate rest for the soul. So if the soul is in turmoil, if your soul is not at rest, if you're finding that you're at odds with God today, in some manner of your thinking, some ideal, some decision, some path that you're on, the thing to do is to agree with God and, and walk on his path. To find the ancient path, the path of Christ the only thing that opposes the old path is sin. It's the way of sin. It's the, the depraved heart. 
Sin opposes the old path, and we find it there in the beginning. At the beginning, when the path was beginning to be laid in history, he created Adam and Eve and the serpent. The serpent came and convinced Eve that that path was no good. And the result of it was the fall of all of humanity and all of creation with it. How foolish are we to continue to walk in that? Sin opposes the old path. Look over at Colossians 3 with me. going to fill us with a little bit of hope because there is hope though there is potentially cause for some of you to look back maybe admit a wrong let me just be really specific let's say you're wondering you're in you're in a marriage right now and you're saying well I I know that I divorced my last spouse not on biblical grounds what do I do well there is hope for you and there's repentance and there's forgiveness in Christ. But there needs to be a serious decision to deal with that. And if you've not dealt with that, I would invite you to do that today and deal with it. Repent and be sorrowful before the Lord and let him see the real, the real genuineness of your heart to want to live right and obediently before him. The question often comes up, well, what, if I do, what do I do if I'm married again? Should I divorce my spouse and go marry and, and, and then be single? I don't believe that Paul gives us permission for that in the text in, in 1 Corinthians 7. And I don't believe that but you can make something, you can, make, you can correct a wrong with another wrong by becoming now unfaithful to your current spouse. I don't believe that. But I do believe that, you're, that the Lord sees your heart and you need to repent of the sin that you've committed. Colossians chapter 3 Verse one, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Just think about that for a moment. Think about the hope in that passage of your old self dying with Christ and your new life in Christ. Think about this verse in verse three. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Thanks be to God that he clothes us in his righteousness. In fact, we are hidden in him. To be hidden in Christ, to have no blame towards us because Christ is in our life, because Christ has redeemed us. Put to death, therefore. So in light of this, put to death, therefore, what is earthly, in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. So in no way do we then take lightly sin. Put to death. Put these things away. Put to death these earthly things. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, may that be the case, that it's not the way you are walking today. That you will repent of that and that you will walk in a new way. 
On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. See that you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Dear Christians, listen to this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's you if you are in Christ. Holy and beloved. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, Spouses, listen to this. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. And what's our hope for this forgiveness? As the Lord has forgiven you. That's where you find strength to forgive an impossible sin. Something that seems impossible to forgive. Something that might put you on the brink of, I'm done with this. You look to Christ. You think of and you meditate on and you rejoice in his forgiveness because your sin against God is greater than any sin that anyone could commit against you. It doesn't matter what the sin is. I know you have a list and there's lists and we can tell them and there's some some incredible, grievous sins and horrible abuse and it does happen. But scripture is still telling us, look to Christ, cling to him. His forgiveness is for you. And if you are washed in his forgiveness, he can give you the strength to forgive anything. He can. I can't. I can't convince you. Nobody can. But Christ, you look to him, his power, his forgiveness, he can. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, and and thanksgiving, with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Church, That's the old path. The old path is is the path that looks to Christ. The old path is one that does not agree with the new paths of the world that would say love is defined this way and you can just have your relationships however you want them and ignore God. Love, Love is defined by God and forgiveness is an imperative on the old path. So whatever the situation is, we have some things that we can certainly agree with. Marriage between a man and a woman is good. In God's eyes, it is good. It is permanent. God says, whatever God has joined together, let no man separate. If you find yourself having been separated by man or by your own flesh today, seek repentance and forgiveness from God. 
and be faithful to your spouse today. If you have been divorced on unbiblical grounds, I believe according to God's word, and here's where everybody's probably waiting for, can I get remarried? Should I get remarried? I don't believe the Bible gives a permission for someone to be remarried if you've been divorced on unbiblical grounds. Because according to the old path, if we're really going to agree with it, then God still sees that marriage as one flesh. It's permanent. And he only gave two. Definitely one, maybe two. So what does this tell us? I think the church needs to do better at discipling the next generation in the truth. Being willing to speak hard truth to those that are in sin, calling people out of sin and pointing people to the old path, the ancient path, the way that is right, the way that is God's way. Should we not now, with all this information, be more serious about the next generation of marriages and how we teach our children and how we exemplify marriage to our children? Because I want to see a generation that changes those stats. Don't you? A generation that changes the the statistics. We'll keep the almost two million marriages. That's great. Fine. But the almost three quarters of a million divorces in a year? And the church should be the answer to that. So, all you young people, get married to each other. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Find a godly spouse. Walk in integrity. Fathers in this room, why does this relate to Father's Day? Man. Brothers, take it seriously. Be sober-minded. Love your wives like they're intended to be loved, like God designed for you to love them. Don't be looking for loopholes. The Jewish leaders looked for loopholes. That's not the ancient path. The ancient path adheres to God's word and doesn't look for the loophole. Stop looking for a loophole away from your relationship. Deal with the matter at hand. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Fathers, be an example to your sons and to your daughters. And show them the way. Lead the way. I think I've said all I need to say. I'm going to pray now. (laughs) Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And we're just asking for uh, help from your spirit, Lord, to apply what is what is true and what is right and what is according to your ancient path. Lord, that we would find rest for our souls. We know ultimately rest is found in Christ. Christ is the ancient of days. Thank you for the path of righteousness that has been laid before us in Jesus. Help us to cling to him. Forgive us, God, for our trespasses. Forgive us for our sins against you and against others. Lord, help us to deal with those things in our hearts today. Lord, if repentance is needed, if we need your forgiveness, or if we need the forgiveness of another, I pray we would deal with that today and that you would forgive, that you'd show your grace and your mercy. And Lord, help us as a church to be a witness and a light and to stand on the truth no matter how popular or unpopular it might be. 
to walk in the way of the Lord. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is destruction. May we not be on the destructive path, Lord. If there are marriages in this room or people in this room that find themselves in a place of despair and hopelessness, God, would you renew them? Give them a vision for hope and restoration and reconciliation as each looks to Jesus and finds his forgiveness as the catalyst for forgiving the other. Please, Lord, help. I pray for the generation behind us, Lord, those that are seeking direction in their life and foundation. I pray that parents in the room would be intentional to lay the foundation, the foundation that is upon the word of God. Help us to be gracious and patient and loving in our approach and in our teaching, but to never compromise what is true. Lord, fill us with your spirit because we need it. We need you. We need your strength. We need your power. Thank you that in you we can overcome, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the New City Church podcast. For more content from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at www.bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next episode.